0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best championship team it's another beautiful day for baseball in los angeles and baseball podcast josh schaefer and blake harris cover everything dodgers right here on inside the ravine
2: how's it going everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of inside the ravine joining me as always from his apartment for once we're not in Ontario at the rain headquarters Josh Schaefer so that means Josh for the episode we both get to use our beautiful Yeti mics we both can sound fantastic uh how's it going over there on your Friday oh it's just lovely we are preparing for the tropical storm the potential
3: of the tropical storm coming up here we've kind of been talking about it watched a little bit on the news so that'll be interesting um but uh yeah talking today and I feel like I don't want to speculate. I don't want to assume. But it seems like there's the possibility of the Dodgers having their first home rainout in like 20 years this weekend. So, yeah, could could be interesting. Um, I'm interested to see how it goes, but uh, obviously hoping everybody stays safe and we'll see what
2: happens. Well, Josh, you kind of just went into my uh, trivia that I was going to get out for you because I was going to say, would you like to take a guess as to when the last rain out at Dodger Stadium was? Now, I'm not talking rain delay. I'm talking a game was postponed due to the weather. So, would you like to take a crack as to... Uh, I don't, you don't have to get the exact date, but if you want to take a crack at the year, and then maybe you want to go for the month, by all means, go for it.
3: Yeah, I forget. I do remember seeing it. I think it's 2000, right? Is it it is, is 2000. It,
2: yeah, it is I'm 2000. I'm going to go with...
3: I'm gonna go with uh, I want to go summer storm or or spring showers. I'm going to go with
2: May of 2000. It, it looked I I was following along and it looked like you were about to go with the correct month, which is April. I saw you oh, getting rainouts. I it. did. I did. I almost went April. I was like, it's April. Would you like to take a crack at the uh, at the date? Now we'll say this, Josh. There have been 17 rainouts in Dodger Stadium history. And that is your hint for the date that it took place. Uh,
3: May 17th. Well, April 17th. April, April 17th, there you 2000. Go.
2: Your Duke's still cut up on May, but yes, Josh. So April 17th, 2000 was, was the, the last... Opponent? Uh, Let's see. I'm looking... It doesn't have it. I'm looking at an article in Dodger Blue. It doesn't have who their opponent was, but that's when it happened. And also, let's see here, the last rain delay was back in April of 2015 against the Padres, which was their first rain delay since 2008. So, it's been 23 years since a game has been rained out. I guess the good thing is that I think they still have to play the Marlins in Miami uh either later this month or in September so they can make up the game there. I don't think they're going to try to do a doubleheader tomorrow. That seems like that would be the smart decision, but I guess why risk it? Uh Josh, this is why they should just build a dome to avoid problems like this. Yeah, really? Just make a cheese field out here. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. I'm totally kidding. But that's going to be interesting to see what happens you know, on Sunday if that game is rained out. It's a shame that the Sunday game isn't the uh, Sandy Alcantara game because I wouldn't be too opposed if that one got rained out. But instead, that's who uh, <laughs> the Dodgers got to face tonight. Turns out, Josh, that might be what it takes to uh, stop the Dodgers' winning streak. A tropical storm that is supposedly the biggest here since 1939. That's what it takes to stop the Dodgers from winning.
3: Yeah, I, the team has now won 11 straight games. I said this the other day from the Inside the Ravine Twitter account. Nobody else in the division is even on the same planet as the Dodgers right now. And uh, and and again, I've alluded to this in the past, and I'll say it again. This is a household that watches the Diamondbacks, or the Answerbacks, as we've been calling them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, not for fun, just to say. We don't watch them for fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, we... There's nobody else in the division that can even compete right now. And, and, and it's, it's a combination of other teams completely falling apart and the Dodgers just taking off and soaring. And it's interesting because I thought some of the other teams had made some moves that were going to bolster them at the trade deadline. And in turn, you know, we had said this before too. Like it it looks like the Dodgers are going to take a pretty, um, uh, conservative approach at the deadline where they're not going to go out and make any big time moves. They're not going to make a big splash, but instead they're going to make these very small calculated, low risk, high reward type moves. And Holy cow, have every single one of them worked out brilliantly for the Dodgers. Um, Lance Lynn, another phenomenal game, seven scoreless innings last night. And he wasn't even the story at the end of the game. Somehow, um, he's been absolutely filthy. Of course, it seems like the only earned runs he's given up have been home runs, which has kind of been his MO this season. But Lance Lynn has been outstanding. Ahmed Rosario and Kike Hernandez um, have been doing essentially what's been expected of them. Um, Ryan Yarbrough has been fantastic. Joe Kelly hasn't given up a run yet. Um, so, you know, all of these minor moves at the deadline have paid off for the Dodgers. And these guys are directly contributing to the long win streak that the Dodgers are on and their what seems to be insurmountable lead in the National League West.
2: I just love watching Lance Lynn starts because I love after every out, the dude is just cussing to himself. And every time an inning ends, the dude is just dropping five to 10 F-bombs. And I don't think he's, like, saying it to the opposition. Like, last night, I forget what inning it was, but he got out of the inning, and he's walking back to the dugout, and he's just cussing up a storm. He's like, you effing like that, you piece of, you know, stuff. And I'm thinking, I I think he's talking to himself. I think he's asking himself if he likes that. So, if that's what gets him going, I absolutely love it. He's been fantastic. Yeah, Josh, every guy has been phenomenal. Ryan Yarbrough, which... He's a bro. He, he's a bro. Yeah. He's been fantastic in his role. And this is what we talked about, you know, at the trade deadline kind of around. We knew that all these little moves the Dodgers were making, we were going to like them. We just wanted that kind of big splash. Obviously, the big splash didn't happen. But it turns out maybe Lance Lynn was the big splash. Maybe Ahmed Rosario was the big splash. Maybe Ryan Yarbrough was the big splash. Because ever since the trade deadline, I believe the Dodgers have lost one game. And the one game that the Dodgers lost you can make the case they should have lost it. It was that game in San Diego in the eighth inning where the bullpen kind of just collapsed. The defense in the infield kind of collapsed. That's the one game. So you have all these guys that have come over that have all been phenomenal, but it's not just them. It seems like every single guy on the Dodgers, including a guy we'll get to in a bit has been doing their job whether it's in the starting lineup, whether it's the starting rotation, which I think has been the best in all of baseball in August and the bullpen as well. It's just like everything is clicking for this Dodgers team, unlike any you know stretch we've seen in recent memory. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head when the last time they won eleven straight was, but I don't think it was you know last year. Maybe not the year before. So this team is hot right now.
3: Yeah, they really are. And and you know, um, we mentioned Lance Lynn already. Of course, the <laughs> one of the most entertaining pitching duos in baseball right now, from starter to reliever, is. Lance Lynn to Joe Kelly, I just need to see that every single time. Now, Joe didn't pitch last night. I need that, though. I need that every single Lance Lynn start. You get five, six innings out of out of Lance Lynn, immediately I want Joe Kelly. I don't care about the matchup because it seems like those are two guys that really bring the same kind of vibe, but are complete. Th- the energy level is completely different where Joe's like, you know, I'm going to throw 102 at your head. And then then I'm going to throw a breaking (laughs) ball. And then I'm going to strike you out. And Lance Lynn's like, dude, I'm going down the middle or just looping one over the plate. I will load the bases and you will not score. And then I'm going to yell at either (laughs) myself or you or some random child in the third row of section 214 while I walk off the diamond. Yes. And that's the vibes that I want. I mean, I just I want that for every single game. Just tandem. The two
2: of them. That's what I need. I think, Josh, I mean, I, I think that was like a, we got a question in the offseason. We were doing like a and a like who would you want, like leading a Royal Rumble? I mean, I know I, fig- I forget who we were talking about then. I think like Austin Barnes was a decision that we had. I don't really remember any of the other options. If I if we were doing a fantasy draft, I think Lancelin and Joe Kelly would go 101 and 102 in either order because I want them like in my corner throwing down and like you said joe kelly he's just kind of like this shy cocky arrogant kind where he'll throw 102 right at your head and get ready to score down and lance lynn is literally going to say like you said here's my 95 mile an hour fastball hit this you you know you bad word and then we can tussle yeah. <laughs> so those two additions by the dodgers again the production's been phenomenal But what they provide, like they provide that spark. And even with this entire team, Josh, this is something I was talking with my girlfriend about last night when we were watching the game. We said this so many times last year. We said it during the playoffs. This year's team, although it's a completely new looking team, I'm not saying this is the reason why they're winning 11 games in a row. But last night, you look at the Austin Barnes home run and there was a camera angle of him coming around second base. There must have been... Five guys that were out of the dugout that were going nuts. Where last year, we didn't see that from this team. And just the passion you're seeing from guys on the mound, you're seeing from the guys, you know, this Freddie Freeman dance, whenever guys get a double that has helped and again i'm not not sure that's a coincidence but this winning streak kind of started once the team started doing that i think dave roberts has been on record i think in usa today saying that this is like the best team he's ever had when it comes to what's going on in the clubhouse it sounds like mookie betts freddie freeman they've come out and also said like this is the most fun we've ever had with the team so yeah the talent isn't where it's been in years past but at the end of the day in baseball especially talent isn't what you know wins games it's not what wins you championships it's having this connection having these guys all come together and it's working because again the dodgers have won an 11 in a row and they don't seem like they're going to be slowing down anytime soon so again i not that that's the reason they're winning all these games josh but i think you and i can both agree it's definitely lending a hand seeing the way all these guys are going from one to 26.
3: yeah it is and i i I don't want to, I'm not comparing this to the 2017 team that seemed like they walked off every other game. But it is kind of getting to the point where it's like they're finding ways to win. They No, they don't need to walk off every single game. They don't. But also it seems like it's somebody else who could be the hero every night. One night it's Mookie, one night it's Freddie, one night it's Muncie. Last night it was Austin Barnes, which was something (laughs) that I did not expect to say. Um, But last night was the night where I thought, the streak could end today. And the reason why is because I had this feeling that all of these Dodgers long win streaks have ended with a shutout loss. And Blake, I now have the list in front of me and it's surprising how often the Dodgers have ended one of their long winning streaks by either one getting absolutely blown out or two getting shut out. So this win streak that the Dodgers are on right now at 11 games is tied for the fifth longest this this list technically ranks at twelfth, but it's because I'm going to say it's tied for the fifth longest. The longest win streak the Dodgers have ever had is fifteen. That was back in 1924 when they were the Brooklyn Robins. Now the Dodgers did have a 12 game win streak last season. It ended. Oh, man, I don't even
2: remember that at all. To be yeah, honest.
3: It, it ended <laughs> in Kansas City with a four nothing loss. Okay, so let's look at another recent one. In 2017, an 11-game win streak, they got beat up by the Braves at home. Another recent one was 2017, 10 games, a 4 nothing loss at home to the Angels. Another fairly recent one, um, where did it go? It's gone. I've lost it. Um, anyway, my point is that it seems like all of these streaks end with shutouts, a 13-game winning streak, 2-0 loss to Milwaukee, 13 games, 7-0 loss to Philly. Uh, there's the 12 games, a 4-0 loss to Kansas City, 1-0 loss to the Cardinals, an 11-game win streak. It's just the list goes on and on where the Dodgers seem to have either been blown out or getting shut out. So last night, to me, kind of felt like a this is the one game where the offense runs dry and they lose by getting shut out. But that wasn't the case, and a one nothing win thanks to Austin Barnes, um and uh, that that sent my living room into a frenzy as soon as he hit the ball um but yeah i mean it's just they have found new ways to win and it doesn't always need to be a walk-off it doesn't always need to be dramatic but it is ultimately a different guy each night ultimately being the one who's coming across and pushing across the winning run and last night it was austin barnes and sorry lance lynn i'm really really (laughs) sorry (laughs) That Austin Barnes had to steal the show from you after seven scoreless innings where you danced into and out of jams multiple times. I know that you just yelled at yourself and the opposing team's bench coach and the little girl sitting on the top deck right by the top of the park store. I know that you yelled at all those people and I know that you deserve the the hero of the game, but it was Austin Barnes with the two hardest hit balls of the game, including the, the solo
2: home run to left i i texted this to you last night which one quick thing on lance lynn josh i i I don't know if you've seen much of his post-game interviews i feel like this dude is probably like the calmest guy in regular everyday life but on the mound for whatever reason he completely flips the script because we watch his post-game interviews and he's always yeah you know it was it was a good outing i love my teammates and then again, you just see him on the mound. I, I think it's just a complete one needy, which I absolutely love. But I, I texted this to you last night, Josh. And Joe Davis, who is, you know, the best best play by play guy in all of baseball, his calls, like on his resume, are already insane. I texted this to you because his call last night was Austin Barnes, Austin Barnes. And I, I said this. I want to know what your thoughts are. Do you think that the reason he did a second Austin Barnes? was because he was in such genuine disbelief and shock that nothing else could come to mind aside from repeating his name because, again, the the amount of calls he's had where he just has some one or two-liner that is just, you know, fantastic. But with this one, it was just Austin Barnes for the second time. So as someone that does play-by-play, that probably has a better gist and feel than I do. Do you think that the moment was even too shocking and, and, like, unbelievable for even a guy like Joe Davis there?
3: I I don't know. I think that is entirely possible. What I will say to me, as somebody who has been in not moments like that, but has had moments like that in games, um, to me it seems like he makes the call and he probably turned and looked at Oral in disbelief and said it again. Like I've had moments like that too where like, a big moment. I, I, I can pinpoint one from this last season. We had this rookie who had a hat trick in a, a game against the first place team, a rivalry game building was packed. It was like insane. And, uh, And he had two goals in like the first period and the third period comes around and the dude has like a one timer, like a quick shot that goes off the post. So I was like, oh man, like he almost had his hat trick. And then like, I kind of shot a look to my broadcast partner. And when I look back to the ice, they feed him again and he exact same shot. And this one scores. And I remember like making the call, but my voice kind of wavered a little bit because I was so like, stunned that that had happened and i remember looking at my broadcast partner and being like (sighs) like when i made the call because it was like something so unbelievable that you had just seen and i feel like like that moment in that game you're kind of thinking like all right see if barnes can get on here and even even joe who works for the dodgers obviously and i'm not going to speak to like how he views it but joe's somebody who works for the dodgers but also does national games so he's probably thinking like from a Dodgers perspective, but he's pretty unbiased as we all know. And he's probably watching this game thinking like Barnes is up, move the line along to Mookie. See if Barnes can get on base. That's what I'm thinking in that moment. So when he's the one, that's the hero. And in a game like that, that is scoreless through seven and a half innings against a team that has not been very offensively affluent this season, they don't score many runs. Um, It seemed like that was kind of it, right? Like, it seemed like that was probably the winning hit, even though it was just the eighth inning and it was a solo home run. Like, it seemed like that was it. So I feel like it was like the, holy cow, Oral, did you just see that too? And I felt like I had had many moments in that. in Like, I have had many, like, moments listening to that call that were similar. Or I feel like a lot of other broadcasters might kind of view that the same way. Like, I don't know if it was the sheer disbelief of what he had seen, but it was also kind of like the. Are you also seeing this? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, it was <laughs> it was a great call because you didn't have to say very much, right? Just said the guy's name, and you kind of knew what happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it was fantastic. Again, disbelief. I was in disbelief the fact that apparently Nomar Garcia Para had that as his called shot at the beginning of the game. Now, I will say, uh, props to Nomar. I'm going to need someone to research this because if this was the first time all season he's made Austin Barnes' called shot, then what a pick that is. But if yeah. every time Austin Barnes gets a star, Nomar's just saying, you know, today's going to be the day, might have to pump the brakes a little. So it's an impressive one by Nomar. I want to see what his history is on called shots when it comes to Austin Barnes. But hey, Jerry, he uh, was a man of his word. And I don't know if you saw the pushups, Josh, but for being, you know, a retired baseball player, Probably, I think he's in his forties now. He probably could have done a couple hundred of these push-ups those wearing his nice suit. I mean, it yeah. was. I'm thinking, man, Jerry. I know, <laughs> I know, you don't quite do them up to the level that I can do them, but those were yeah, the next best. Close, <laughs> close enough, close enough. I thought he was yeah, gonna start I'm, doing like I've what I do, do Josh, like, the, the I've clapping been very ones. Very impressed. Oh yeah, when I do, do the, the clapping you, ones, the,
3: I remember that one time when you did the push-up and then you did like three claps before you went back yeah. down. That was the most impressive I've ever seen. Yeah.
2: Or, like, with one arm, you know, behind my back, and I turn a little, I go all the way down, come back up. The push-ups where you go down
3: with one arm and then clap behind your back. Yes. And then catch yourself with your other arm. I have never seen And then do,
2: like, a flip in the air. So I was was a little upset Jerry didn't do those kind of push-ups, but, hey, next time we get him on the show, I I can give him a rundown on how to do those. But Austin Barnes uh, delivers his biggest uh, moment of the year, his OPS Plus now, Josh is above zero it's not negative anymore i think his ops plus is now six so we are on the right track but we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about the latest news the latest injuries all that kind of stuff and also why a certain someone should be a favorite to win a certain award at the end of the year we'll get to that very shortly
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news
2: All right, Josh, so it's been about, I think, I don't even remember, a week or so since we recorded our last episode. There has been some news, uh, nothing too major, but some that we need to get to. The first one, and this is something that I kind of briefly mentioned at the end of the last episode. We didn't really talk about it because we were wrapping things up. We had to go. And that's this whole JD Martinez situation because, first off, nobody seems to know what exactly this injury is. I think he's come out and said it's not his back, but I've heard, like, groin, hamstring, a bunch of other things, and it's essentially cost him a number of games this year. He just was pretty much off, you know, off the grid for a week. They didn't put him on the IL, but he didn't play for over a week, I think 10 days or something like that. He returns, plays in a game gets hurt again obviously at the time of this recording we don't have the starting lineup out just yet maybe by the time this episode's done jd's in the starting lineup and it's not a big deal but i'm going to be real i don't think he's going to be in the starting lineup today i think they're going to be cautious with this again josh jd martinez when he's been on the field has been one of the 10 best hitters in the national league the dodgers desperately need him if they're going to make an october push what are they doing why Why do they not just put him on the injured list? And even, I know this is a Michael Bush uh, podcast, although he has like a, you know, an insane, insane stat line in the minors. You don't even have to call him up. You can just give other guys opportunities. But why are the Dodgers treating this injury like this when one more, you know, bad move and he could potentially be out for the rest of the season?
3: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear the reasoning behind it because... He's been out for a while. Um, it's He's been scratched multiple times this month with the same kind of diagnosis. And it's clearly an issue that's been bugging him for a little while. And I'm a little bit surprised that a week ago they didn't put him on the IR or the IL and call up somebody like Michael Bush. Now, sure, Michael Bush has been tearing it up. Maybe you're like, let's keep that rhythm going for him. Also, also he had been playing a few different positions these last two weeks. Why that is, I don't know, but making, maybe making him a little bit more versatile for when, and if they do call him back up that they can put him not just at second base or at third, but maybe you can put him in left field. Um, I've seen him play right field before um, back when he was at North Carolina and when he was in the Cape league. So, it's been a little while but we know that he can play those positions and that's where they've had him the last week or so is, is they've you know worked him out at a few of these different positions so maybe they're just not ready to call him up yet but still that doesn't really explain why JD Martinez has kind of just been sitting there for a little while and not on the IL when they could use that opportunity now you go back and you look at some of the other things that they've done and like Jake Marisnik was out for a little bit who a guy who could be completely honest with you totally forgot the Dodger signed. I mean, when they when, they, when the move was made the other day, it was what the 15th when they selected the contract of Gus Varland, who came in and was really good a couple nights ago, um, in relief, and then sent Marisnik to the 60 day, uh, forgot he was on the team up until that moment. Um, but like they've made a few other moves. I'm just curious why JD Martinez has just kind of been around. Um, so uh, you know. Hopefully he'll be back soon. But again, kind of to your point, the worst thing that could happen is clearly they're not rushing him back is because he's been around not playing. So I don't think they're rushing him back. But what if you do insert him back into the lineup and he tweaks something and he's out for more time? And I think that that's obviously a huge concern for the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, man, I'm looking at his game log right now. He appeared in a game in San Diego on August 6th. And then he didn't appear in a game until the other night on August 15th. So that was nine days that he didn't play that you literally just could have put him on the I.L., called up, again, a Michael Bush or just anyone else, really, that you want to call up. And you have an extra bench base because not only is it dumb, I think, by not calling someone up, you're essentially giving yourself a shorter bench every night for an unnecessary reason. And I tweeted this yesterday, and it still stands true today. I put... It just blows my mind the way the Dodgers are handling this J.D. Martinez situation. The division is clinched. The injury has been lingering for weeks. You have obvious reinforcements on the team and in the minors. Hopefully the injury isn't serious, but we need to bubble wrap him until September. If this was like the Dodgers were the third wildcard team, they were like one game up or they were fighting for a spot, maybe, maybe. but you're up ten and a half games. The division's clinched like... I I think I tweeted yesterday saying the division was clinched, and people were like, it's not clinched. The Dodgers have a 99.5% chance. I'm like, the division's clinched. Put him on the I.L. Put him in bubble wrap until September. You do not need him for these next couple of weeks because, again, I think last night Dave Roberts said he's day-to-day, but if J.D. Martinez were to somehow get hurt over these next couple of games and misses another significant chunk of time... uh. I'm going to be upset, Dodgers fans are going to be upset, and again, it just seems like everyone knows what the correct decision, what the smart decision is, except for the Dodgers, so again, maybe he's in the starting lineup today, maybe he ends up being healthy the rest of the way, it's just with a guy like him, uh, you got to be extra, extra cautious, especially considering doctors cannot diagnose whatever this mystery injury is, which again, that's a little concerning as well. All right, but J.D. Martinez isn't the only one that's dealing with an injury. Uh, These other guys, the others, have actually placed on the injured list because they want to be cautious with them. The first one is Yency Almonte. He was placed on the 15-day IL, had a right knee sprain, this one was kind of annoying because the other day when it happened, Josh, it was with two outs. Uh, I think there was, like, a play that Miguel Rojas could have made to end the game. He didn't. Then the next batter, Yance Almonte, I think he, like, landed wrong on his knee. Tried to give it a go. Tried to make a couple more pitches. Couldn't get it done. It sounds like it's going to be, you know, kind of a regularly short stint on the injured list. Doesn't sound like it's season-ending by any means. But Yency Almonte, this one's kind of a drag because although the numbers aren't necessarily where they were last year, he's a guy that was, you know, turning things around. Uh, two consecutive scoreless outings, I'm looking at his game log, he had three of four scoreless outings, so he was really picking things up. So hopefully this is a guy that's not out long because uh, if Yency's working, he's a great fit for the Dodgers bullpen.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's he's been turning it around quite a bit, and obviously we know what he's been capable of, but... He was really, really bad to start the season as a lot of the Dodgers relievers were, Um, but he was turning it around. So obviously, you know, you hope that it's not a long-term thing. Um, Like you said, yeah, he got his spike kind of stuck when he landed um, after throwing a pitch in the ninth inning um, a couple of days ago, which is disappointing. Um, But yeah, sounds like he'll probably be out for a few weeks, not season ending, but um, you know, a couple of weeks, let him recover, let him take his time and then bring him back for the postseason.
2: Yeah, I mean, from June 15th through July 25th, he had 15 outings in which he didn't allow an earned run. So that was a three-week, three-and-a-half-week stretch where Yancy looked like the Yancy of old. Again, the last couple of outings were a little shaky, but he's a guy the Dodgers need to be healthy. And another one, this one just kind of went down the other day. I, I think technically the official injury diagnosis is right forearm inflammation, they, they're having other things that it's elbow inflammation, but Joe Kelly, he was placed on the injured list. Uh, when you hear forearm inflammation, I did a quick search when that happened, and the recent pitcher that was placed on the aisle with forearm inflammation was Jacob deGrom, and we know how that turned out, so I was thinking, great, Kelly's done for the season, but apparently uh, Dave Roberts said, no, like he's probably going to be back once his you know eligibility hits I think in a few days or so he's been dealing with some elbow issue all season so with Joe Kelly it sounds like they're being just a little cautious I think the other day he was playing long toss on the field so I guess that's fantastic news that Joe Kelly is one not going to miss the rest of the season too he'll be back in about a week or so because Josh like you said earlier when we were talking about the trade deadline acquisitions Joe Kelly hasn't allowed a run yet since being brought over from the White Sox and he's arguably looked the best he's looked in his career, so uh, potentially crisis averted with this bullpen piece right here. Yeah, and
3: you're right, whether it's right elbow or right forearm inflammation, um, MLB.com has it as elbow inflammation, Um, but also it was retroactive to August 10th, so obviously at the time of recording, that's now eight days ago. He hasn't pitched in nine days, Um, so it's nice that you're setting it back a little bit more, um, so that hopefully his timeout actually only equates to a couple of weeks, not necessarily yeah. not necessarily a couple of weeks from the day he was actually you know officially put on the IL. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can return sooner rather than later. But obviously, take your time with him. Um, seven strikeouts, no earned runs, and three and two thirds innings. He's been lights out. Um, he's been one of the Dodgers' best you know midseason additions this year, um, and he's gotten out of a couple of really tough jams and honestly that's what's funny is we say that everyone's contributed but i'm not saying where would the dodgers be without joe kelly but i'll tell you right now the win streak would not be where it is without joe kelly getting out of a couple of jams
2: yeah so you know the dodgers they need another high leverage arm with daniel Hudson. he's out for a you know potentially the rest of the season. So it'll be nice to get him back. Josh, one final bullpen name to uh, touch up on. This is a name that I'm sure a lot of Dodgers fans have actually forgotten about. And that's Shelby Miller, who last pitched all the way back on June 15th. He's missed the last two months of the season. He's now rehabbing with Oklahoma City. It sounds like if all goes well, he could be back with the team as early as next week. So this is a guy, and again, I, I know it's been over two months since we saw him last but in his 25 games with the dodgers this year at the time of his injury 2.40 era had a whip of exactly one striking out more than one guy per inning uh his walk rate is a little high but you have to live with that his era plus 183 so that's one of the best marks in the dodgers bullpen again we, we talked about amante joe kelly coming back but shelby miller's kind of the forgotten man Bring him back to this Dodgers bullpen, and again, you're adding another leverage guy late in the games that has proven he can be a reliable go-to piece.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And one and one other guy that I would put in kind of that same you know category is Ryan Pepio, who was down in Oklahoma City. He's been out with an oblique thing since really the beginning of the season. Um, he took a perfect game through six innings the other night with OKC. So another guy that I think the Dodgers could definitely use. Um, in the next couple of weeks, um, out of the pen potentially. Um, but obviously, you know, we had him on the show. We were excited for him to to, to get a crack at the big league uh, in the big leagues this year, and it just hasn't worked out so far for for Pepeo. Um, but he's somebody that I think is kind of in that same category. Been out for a while. We've been wondering kind of where he's at, what he's doing, and 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 he could be a piece going forward for the team too, whenever they deem him ready.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at September when they expand the rosters. He could be a guy that they want to use as maybe like the Ryan Yarbrough kind of role where mm-hmm. a guy maybe starts a game and then you bring Pepio out of the bullpen for three or four innings or maybe in order to save guys in the rotation, maybe they opt to maybe do like a Ryan Pepio, Ryan Yarbrough kind of piggyback situation in September to make sure guys get their amount of rest. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy, like you said, took a perfect game. I think he, actually, I think he ended up going into the seventh inning with a perfect game before he allowed a base hit. 11 strikeouts, he's shown that he's more than capable of being a guy. So that's another name that uh, Dodgers fans need to keep an eye on because the reinforcements are coming, Josh. I'm looking at their current active uh, roster right now, especially with their pitching. Once Shelby Miller's ready to go, you know, if Ryan Pepio's ready to go, if, you know, eventually Daniel Hudson's ready to go, I'm looking at this and I don't really know who's going to be getting the ax. Obviously, Gus Farland is probably first in line. Although he looked nasty the other night, it was a very small sample size, but he did pitch two innings and he looked really good, but I don't know how the Dodgers are going to find room for all these guys that are coming back. And one final name, Josh, that I do want to mention, I don't think, I think we did talk about it uh, in the last episode, I can't remember, but it does sound like Blake Trinan is progressing from coming back as well. He's been throwing bullpen sessions, he's been throwing hitters. It sounds like he potentially can return earlier than Walker Bueller can return as well, so... I mean, if you look a month from now, Josh, you have all these guys in the Dodgers bullpen already that, you know, are your locked on guys. But if you're adding Shelby Miller, Joe Kelly, Blake Trinan, uh, again, a potential Ryan Pepio, this is a Dodgers bullpen where all of a sudden now, what, uh, Bruce Dark Ratterall, maybe Caleb Ferguson, like those are your two worst options, which if Bruce Dark Ratterall is your worst option, the Dodgers bullpen is in a very, very good spot.
3: Yeah, yeah, they really are. And, I mean, they've already started to turn it around in in recent weeks. So, again, you know, I think some people were like, you know, what are the Dodgers going to do with the trade deadline? Oh, not a whole lot. But it's worked out so far. But also, forget about what's worked out brilliantly up to this point at the trade deadline. But if you can get a lot of these guys back, that's almost like second season or second half of the season trade deadline kind of acquisitions. And you didn't really have to give up anybody. So that's one way to look at it too. So the Dodgers reloaded at the deadline with a lot of those high reward, low risk guys didn't really give up anything for the big pieces that they got. And you can get more of these guys back, you know, um, assuming that they can step in and pick up where they left off before um, the Dodgers are in a pretty good spot.
2: Yeah. Not to mention Gavin Stone has looked really, really good in no KC since being sent down. I, I saw this earlier. I think it's in his last seven starts since being optioned back in July. He is like a 2.80 ERA. He's looked fantastic. Emmitt Sheehan in his first start with OKC last week, he was really good. So the Dodgers have plenty of pitching. Hopefully everyone's able to get healthy. One final note, Josh, I do want to add before we take a break and wrap up the show. This apparently went down today. I tweeted this earlier. I was looking at the transition, transactions log on the Dodgers website, and apparently... Uh hasn't been made you know, official yet, but if it's on the Dodgers transactions log, it must be. They've signed Colton Wong to a minor league contract. Colton Wong might be a familiar name. He's been around for 11 years now. Rookie of the year, uh, third place finisher back in 2014 with the Cardinals. In 2019, he received MVP votes. He's a gold glove winner. Last year for the Brewers, had an OPS plus of 117, uh, 15 homers, 17 stolen bases, hit 250, Went to the Mariners this year was horrific. There was horrible when I, and when I say bad, I mean like he's worse offensively. Ah. Uh, he's worse than Miguel Rojas is offensively uh, hit 165 OPS plus of 34 horrific, but Dodgers signed him to a minor league deal. I'm not saying that Colton Wong is going to be playing for the Dodgers anytime soon, but this is a guy that has won two gold gloves is a fantastic defensive infielder. Last year, 117 OPS plus the year before 110 has been a good hitter for whatever reason in Seattle. Things just didn't click, but this is just something I think Dodgers fans need to just kind of keep in the back of their head. Maybe again, in September when Michael Bush continues to be held down for hitting 800 with an OPS of 3000. If Colton Wong gets called up as a potential piece on the bench, I don't hate it. I don't think it's an awful move by any means. And again, he's proven he could do it in the show. Worst case scenario, he comes up, he sucks, and you wish him farewell. But if this is the Colton Wong Josh that the Cardinals got for all those years, that the Brewers got for the last couple of years, this might be another move where we're saying the Dodgers have done it again.
3: Yeah, and you know, I, I think that it's 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 reasonable to view him as, you know, a, a big time option as somebody who you could use if things aren't working out at the big league level later on, um, we've seen the Dodgers do similar things before, but bring him in on a minor league deal, maybe giving him a second chance. I'm sure he'll go to OKC, but also, you know, toward the end of the season, why not make sure that OKC keeps on rolling too? So, I mean, that's kind of the way that I view it is, Hey, let's, let's bolster that line up a little bit too. In case we call anybody up down there, OKC's taken care of by putting a guy like Colton Wong down there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting move. I don't know how much it'll affect the Dodgers at the big league level. Obviously, it is a minor league deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you call somebody up from OKC, I think you got to imagine that they'll be well taken care of by bringing in a guy like Colton Long.
2: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Again, he may never suit up for the Dodgers. Like, uh, Josh, this was one that kind of just flew under the radar as well. But a couple months ago, Cole Calhoun, known Dodgers killer Cole Calhoun, was signed to a minor league deal with the Dodgers, was tearing it up in the minors with Oklahoma City. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be another great addition for the Dodgers. Well, he was just quietly traded in August to the Guardians, I think for cash. So the Dodgers clearly saw no sign for him. They just wanted to have him in off he went. So I'm just saying it just because he signed doesn't mean that he'll exactly come up with the Dodgers. So we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to get to that thing I teased earlier about a certain someone winning a certain award and why they should win the certain award. So stay tuned for who that is. All right, Josh, we're going to wrap up the show, and there's something that I want to talk about because I've seen this kind of gaining some steam recently. I've seen Dodgers fans kind of split on this decision, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I tweeted this out this morning. I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm going with it because I want to kind of build up to it this offseason the dodgers lost cody bellinger justin turner trey turner and a few other of their key pieces like a tyler anderson who hasn't been great this year but he was great for the dodgers last year betting outlets had them projected to finish second in the national league west behind the padres they lead all of baseball in players that have hit the injured list this year with 27 and total days missed with 1674. despite all of that josh the Dodgers are still on pace for 100 wins. So, why do I bring this up? I think it's because Dave Roberts has done by far the best job he's done since becoming the manager of the Dodgers, and I think he should be the favorite for National League Manager of the Year. Now, I know it's tough to give it to a guy that wins 100 games, a team that's expected to be in contention for a World Series, but after listing all those things off that I just mentioned, Josh, Do you agree that this is probably the best job Dave has done uh, so far over the last, I think now is his eighth season, I want to say?
3: Yeah, 100%. Um, This is his eighth year with the Dodgers. He's won three National League pennants and a World Series. And he has won National League uh, Manager of the Year back in, what, 2016? Um, And I want to say that was his first year with the team. It was, Um, yeah. He won it in his first year with the team. And I, I brought this up to somebody the other day, like, I understand that I could have managed last year's Dodgers team to at least 90 wins. They won 111. I think I, I, think I legitimately could have helped manage that team to 111 wins or to, to 90 wins in an 111 win season. They were that good. I'm not saying I'm anybody of relevance. I'm saying they were that good. But the fact that they have been that good for so long now under Dave Roberts. And he really hasn't been recognized all that much. And I think for there, there have been some criticisms for Dave, and I think for good reason. But last year was great. I'm sure it was an easy team to manage. This year, with what he's had to deal with, I think has been his best job so far. And you mentioned all the guys and all the time that the Dodgers have had on the IL, most in baseball. But, I mean, we were just talking about some of it. Look at some of the guys some of the really important pieces that the Dodgers have had on the IL and not even looking at the guys this week in Joe Kelly and Yency Almonte, but Johnny DeLuca called up and was good. IL Uh, Jake Marizak, they signed immediately on the IL, whatever about that one, but Walker Bueller, Blake Trin and Shelby Miller, Gavin Lux has missed the whole season. Ryan Pepio, Daniel Hudson, Jimmy Nelson, Dustin may like, the list goes on and on and on with the guys that have missed time this season. And those are guys that are just still there. Let's not, uh, we don't even need to talk about all of the guys that are currently in the lineup that have missed time on the IL. This is also a season where the Dodgers let go some of these guys, but, or just chose not to resign, but Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Cody Bellinger, like they let all of these guys go and made moves before the season that were value kind of deals. We talked early on, like the JD Martinez, the one year deal for JD is a steal, ten million, steal. I'll take that. And JD's had an uh, an amazing season, was an all star. Jason Hayward, low risk, high reward deal, high reward player. He's been fantastic. The trade to go out and get Miguel Rojas. Slots him into the lineup. Miguel Rojas has had a great season. He's hitting the ball now too. So just what Dave has had to deal with this season and what they've accomplished so far. And now that they are on pace for 100 wins again in a season where they were projected to finish second in the division, where a lot of people said the Dodgers to the Dodgers, they're going to be good, but it's the Padres turn this year. Maybe the Dodgers will come back. They'll make a run at Shohei. They'll do X, Y, and Z next year. This is the Padres year. And it has completely been the opposite of that. And it's just been the Dodgers all over again, but dealing with even more crap than they had in years past. And Dave Roberts and his staff and the Dodgers baseball operations staff have handled it brilliantly. And I think this is probably the best job that he's done since 2016. And yes, there have been some, some, some fair criticisms in the past, even with how good the team had been and how, how well Dave had done. But this year, I think for me, is easily the best job he's done since he took over as Dodgers manager.
2: Yeah, just even in the last week, there's just been a couple of moves that I've noticed that, uh, you know, a casual fan really might not have. On Sunday, Julio was pitching. I think he made like 80 pitches through seven. He could have gone out back out there for the eighth. He probably should have gone out back out there for the eighth, but Dave didn't because... You want to make sure you conserve his innings bobby miller the other night was cruising i I think he made it through six innings i want to say i think he threw 74 pitches easily could have gone out there for the seventh inning would have been the first time he's done so dave didn't allow it because he said this is a guy we want in october we want to make sure we conserve as many innings as we can and then the other night with clayton kershaw prior to the game dave roberts said he was built up to go 90 pitches. Pulls him after making, I want to say, 70 pitches after only five innings because Clayton Kershaw just didn't have his best stuff. He was kind of getting hit hard, wasn't really lucky. And Dave noticed, like, although I said he's up to 90 pitches, I'm going to pull him one inning early and avoid him getting shelled, getting, you know, potentially lit up. And also, we want to make sure we keep Kershaw healthy. So it's the decisions like that where I know in years past, Dave has had his moments where he pulls guys too early, pulls guys too late, but I think this year... He's just pulling all the right strings. He's doing a fantastic job. Josh, a couple things I want to mention in regards to Dave, because, again, I know that he gets a lot of flack for only having one World Series championship. First off, just winning a World Series championship as a manager is hard enough, but I'm going to compare him with a manager that Dodgers fans think is, you know, one of the greatest ever, and that is Tommy Lasorda. Josh, it took Tommy Lasorda until his sixth season managing to win his first championship. It took Dave Roberts only five years. For Tommy Lasorda to get that second championship, this is, what, one, two, three, I think it took him 13 years to get his second championship. If Dave Roberts is able to get his second in, what, year, I think this is year eight, he's way, way ahead of Lasorda. And then you look at all the advanced numbers with Dave as well, he has a career-winning percentage of 630, which is by far the best in baseball history among managers that have managed at least a thousand games. He already has what? Let's see here, forty-five wins in the postseason. That's fifth all time. Um, playoff appearances. He's already tied for fifteenth all time with seven. Dave Roberts is a good manager. I know. I also agree that last year I could have managed the Dodgers to a first place finish. But really, he just doesn't get the kind of praise that I really think he deserves. And I tweeted this a couple weeks ago when the Dodgers retired Fernando's number. And I said, there, there was a tier of guys who I think are locks, who are most likely going to get the number retired. And I put Dave as most likely to get the number retired, because if Dave Roberts just wins one more world series, you can make the case. He's a top 10 manager in all of baseball history already. If he were to retire, if he were to retire at the end of the year, his resume, he's a top 10 manager. If he goes for another 10 years, Josh, wins one more world series wins a couple more pennants you can make the case he's top five maybe even higher than that so the job that he's done this year again given all the expectations surrounding the team given all of the injuries given all of this stuff the fact that they're in first place by so many games second best record in all of baseball on pace for 100 wins i think it's been his best job i don't know how he doesn't have more manager of the year awards but I think Dave Roberts has shown that he is one of the best managers, managers in all of baseball, despite all the criticism and despite all the hate that he unfortunately does get.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and, and that's a conversation that we can have, too, um, after, you know, Dave wins something else, if he does, because I, I think that that solidifies his place. And I, I mean, we, we've thrown this out a few times, you know, just talking with some people like 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 30s, 30s going to get retired. Like, he's been that good. And maybe it doesn't seem like it just because how good the teams have been and because he's still here, yeah. but it is. And and he has been that good.
2: Yeah. I mean, again, just looking at all these things when it comes to all these like postseason numbers, I get the postseason expanded, so those numbers are a little bit skewed. But Dave Roberts has done you know a, a phenomenal job this year. Hopefully fans are starting to kind of pay attention more, start to realize more. And, you know, he'll get his due. And it, it's been a great year for the Dodgers. But, Josh, uh, I think that wraps it up for today's episode. There's been nothing else that's, you know, been broke while we've been talking. A lot to get to, you know, over the last week because there's been so much that has happened. But uh, any final parting words, thoughts, concerns, dreams, aspirations with this Dodgers team as we uh, begin a brand new series with the Marlins?
3: And just keep it up. Yeah. Um a loss isn't the end of the world. It's going to suck because losing, um, and ending a long winning streak does. Um, but it's not the end of the world. Um, it's going to happen eventually. Um, I'm willing to bet that it's going to be a shutout loss just because based off of what we talked about earlier, I see that happening with the offense kind of just shutting down one game, but maybe it'll be tonight. Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Maybe it'll be three weeks from now. And the Dodgers have the longest winning streak in major league baseball history. Maybe it's possible. Um, but team's been hot. Um, we'll see what happens this weekend. And uh, obviously, if and when those you know rains come, everybody stay safe out there.
2: Yeah, so there you go. I think we're halfway to the uh, record, Josh. I think it's 22, I want to say. That sounds about right, if that's what the Yays did. And maybe you could just vet that real quick while I wrap this up. But you guys can find the show on whatever social media app you guys are using. We're on Twitter slash X. Instagram, and TikTok at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch the full shows over on YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine there. Josh, uh, are you able to confirm what the all-time record is? It is
3: 26 games by the Giants in 1916, which is technically the modern era. If you want to talk um, (laughs) a little more modern, then it's the Guardians in 2017. They won
2: 22 straight games. That's right, yeah. 26 might not be doable. 22 might not, but let's keep it going. The, the Dodgers' schedule, Josh. I, I took a quick glance at it. They could still kind of go on a run here. They got the Marlins for three. I know they're in the wild card hunt, but you're at home. You could take those from the Marlins. Then you go to the Guardians. They've been struggling. They're under 500. Maybe they get Noah Syndergaard for one of those starts. Then you go to the Red Sox. They've, you know, they've been struggling as well. Then you got the D-backs who have been kind of going through it. Then you get the Braves at the end of the month. So hey. Maybe the Dodgers can keep this going. Can't wait for that one. Yeah, there's a chance, Josh. They could be competing for that number one seed. I think there are only four games out now, so it's a four-game series. That could be be a massive series. That's going to be a lot of fun at the end of the month. But again, find us on whatever social media app you guys use. You guys can listen to the podcast on any sort of app you guys get. Your podcast, Spotify, Apple, and, of course, the Odyssey app. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We do appreciate it, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, wherever you may be.